You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Jeremy Box, it is good to have you on Real Faith Stories. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here, man. Love what you're doing. Thank you. What I'd love to do is just read back something you shared with me prior to my hitting record, and that was, God has guided you from a ministry as a job mindset to ministry as a lifestyle mindset, allowing you to explore your passion of building businesses rather than working for a church. Let's dig into that. What do you mean by that? What happened? What shifted? Well, first I had started to have children of my own. (laughs) (laughs) But that was in that season when we had my first son, which was 2010, is when this paradigm shift in my head really started to happen. So a little bit of my background, it, my grandfather, my mom's father, uh, was a was a Baptist minister, Southern Baptist minister. And in the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s, I would say, he had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit at a full gospel businessman's meeting in Houston, Texas that um, was part of what would become eventually Lakewood Church. He was basically asked to say the prayer over the mill. The backstory to him for that is he had been really navigating through the scripture and uncovering who the person of the Holy Spirit, what the gifts of the Holy Spirit have to offer him as, as a person and us as a body, things like that. And so he was really, his heart was kind of primed. So when he opens his mouth to say the prayer, he gets this baptism that we call it right in the charismatic stream of faith, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, and just God hits him so hard and powerfully, and it changes his life. He speaks in tongues for the first time, and and his whole world's turned completely upside down. I've still got to pause. This is incredible. (laughs) He is getting ready to pray. Yes. And the Lord comes on him, and he starts praying in tongues. Yes. Never done that previously. Never. He had begun the process of asking the Lord for for that in the sense of, if this is real, and this is what you have for me, then I want all of it. Whatever that is, mm-hmm. I just want it because I want you because I love you. And so it came from that posture of his heart, really. And, and so, yeah, I mean, he opens his mouth to bless the food, which is a very common thing, especially in Texas. <laughs> right. We say the blessing on breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you better, your food turns to mud, right? That whole kind of mindset. And before football games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're a Cowboys fan, especially lately if you're a Cowboys fan. (laughs) He has this experience, shifts his mindset, his life. You know, when someone experiences something like that, there's a passion and a fire and an excitement that exists in you that you really can't shut up about it, even if you want to. You just have to talk about it. So he did to his church his Baptist church. And so, and and at that point in time, especially then the Baptist denomination really wasn't in a place to hear that kind of message. I've actually seen shifts in that. That's, that's a whole different story, but he was not received kindly. And his relationship with the Baptist church began to separate because of that. And God led him down a path of starting several different churches after that and planting churches in different areas in Texas. So my background comes from that. My father, who was who was not raised that way, my grandfather would have been his father-in-law or eventually became his father-in-law. My father was raised by his grandparents because his mom didn't want him. Uh, he did not know who his father was. Um, still to this day, he does not know exactly who his father was. He's been told many different stories about that. But 
his mother couldn't raise him. She was in no shape. She was a drug addict. He was raised by his grandparents who were good people, but no real faith connection in their life. Not too much. They took him to church some. His uncles, who were like his brothers, uh, because he was raised with them, were all alcoholics by the time my my dad was a, a preteen, early teen. And that's what they poured into his life. They would take him away from school to go fishing and hunting with them and drink. And that's what he was taught. And so by the time he was 16 years old, he was an alcoholic himself. And the little town in Texas that he grew up in, it just so happened that my grandfather on the other side of the family that we've been talking about had planted a church in that community a few years prior. By the time my dad was 18, almost 18, God was moving in an incredible way in this small church. They were experiencing nightly revivals that had been going on, meetings that had been going on for six months, nonstop, nonstop, every single night, seven days a week. People were coming kind of from all over. My father would and his his crew, you know, they were kind of the rebels of the town. If, if you will, my dad would used to say, you know, I would... I would always fight at the drop of the hat and I would be the one to drop the hat. You know, he was kind of kind of that attitude that he carried. They would go and sit on a hill outside of this church and listen to all of these Holy Spirit people. They they would call them weird, you know, weird whatever they called them, a bunch of different names. And they would just laugh at them, they get drunk and make fun of them. Well, one night they ran out of beer, and so they needed to make a run to a store to buy some beer. Well, they didn't have any gas or enough money for gas in their cars, so they were going to siphon. And again, this was like 1965. Mm-hmm. You could steal siphon gas out of people's cars. And so they were going to steal gas from people's cars in the church parking lot <laughs> so that they could go on a beer run. Well, it just so happened my dad got designated as the watchman. Well, the watchman's job was to go in the church and make sure no one came out. And if they were going to come out to, to warn his buddies, right? Well, my dad gets so hit by the power and the presence of God in that moment that he winds up at the altar. And all of his buddies get caught. (laughs) And so they were really angry at him. He winds up at the altar and God just touches him in in a really powerful way. Two nights later, by himself, my dad gives his life to the Lord. He meets Jesus on basically the side of a road with a six pack in his passenger seat. He gets out and kneels down and just says, I want to follow you. I'll do whatever it takes. That was kind of his journey. Two weeks later, he experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't really know what he was asking for. He just knew that he wanted Jesus, and that was really it. And so my father's transformation was incredibly dramatic, really from one side of life to the other side very quickly. Mm -hmm. And God put a call of ministry on his life, and he followed that out. And and so my life, I grew up with a grandfather who was a pastor before he passed when I was younger, and then my father as well, who became a church planner himself. He built two things in the course of my life. He built churches and he built homes. Those were his two vocations. And so that's what I grew up with. And because of that, I was always working in the family business. You know, when you grow up in a family business, you learn to work in it. Whether you want to or not, you get to participate in the effort. I was always helping set up for Sunday services, break down because we were going between one temporary location to the next. And I think, you know, anybody that's ever been in a church planning situation understands that kind of work and effort but it's always very temporary and you're trying to build something. And that's what we would do. And the same thing with building homes. I always worked on this job sites with him. And so for me, it put a passion inside of me. God captured my heart in the same ways he captured my parents' hearts. It was definitely a heritage handed down from my grandfather and my grandmother 
down through my parents and their siblings and then eventually into their children as well. Mm -hmm. I grew up knowing with all of my heart for a long time that I was a pastor. I was going to pastor a church. Mm -hmm. And I really pursued that for a while. It was something that was definitely on my heart. And I just knew with all kinds of certainty that pastoring a church was going to be my job for the rest of my life. Even up until I was in my 20s, I was pursuing that. I've been a youth pastor, a worship pastor, associate pastor, young adults pastor. So I function in roles, both paid and unpaid, and on staff and as a volunteer in, in different ways over the years. That shift, though, for me, and so thank you first for allowing me to kind of give you the backstory of where I came from, what my background is, because that shift for me took place in 2010. I was a youth pastor at a church at the time, but I, I had a job in the oil and gas industry, and I call it a job because that's all it was to me at the time. It was just a way to make money, support my family until God opened up that next door for me to be on staff at a church kind of full time. And the church I was at at the time, they're incredible stewards of people's hearts, of people's lives and giftings that they have on their lives. And, and one of the things they offered us at the time was what they call a prophetic presbytery, which was basically you sit with the elders of the church and they pray over you and, and they just tell you what they hear God saying. It's really pretty simple. It, it sounds, you know, I, I don't know a lot of churches that do that. So I thought it was kind of weird at first. But as me and my wife were sitting in this room, they're saying all these things to me about business. They start speaking about business and, and about the industry that I was currently in. And I really respected this because at the end of it, they took the time to not just say, okay, that's what God said. Now get out. No, they wanted to hear our feedback. Did we say anything that seemed correct to you? I mean, there were really, there's so much humility in the room at the time to receive back from us and not just like know that they heard from God. They wanted, they wanted to hear what we had to say about it. Mm -hmm. So I start giving my feedback and I start feeding them this line about, yeah, that's, that's all good. But I just feel like, I'm kind of in this job and I'm waiting for God to open up the doors in the church. And this one older lady that was sitting next to me, she reached over very Southern, you know, grandmotherly type of personality, almost Paula Dinas, you know, Oh, you sweetheart, you know, that kind of <laughs> mentality yeah. grabs my hand. And she said, Jeremy, don't think for one second that God can't use you in one mountain of influence with one foot and in another mountain of influence with another foot. Come on. Don't think for a second that he would want you to live so singularly in your life that you only have one thing to do. Man, that statement right there was more powerful than anything else they had said to us the entire evening for me personally. And it set me on a journey. It began to shift my mindset. It began to open up my eyes. In the weeks following that, my job, God started doing something in my heart to where my job became my career. And he started speaking to me about how he was going to show me how to operate in the marketplace the same way that I would operate in the church. Wow. You know, whatever passions that I've had to pour back into the church and whatever I thought that was going to be my career, he was telling me, I will do, if you'll let me, I will help you accomplish those same things, but I want to do it out here too. I don't want to hide you away. I want to put you out kind of in the middle of what's going on in the world. At that point, 2010, I didn't hear a lot of cultural talk about ministry in the marketplace and this idea that you can hear quite often now of like kingdom business and these kinds of ideas that are out there about how to 
not live dualistically, but allow Jesus to be a part of everything you do in your business. Right. Now there's a lot of teaching about that. There's people talking about it all over the place. It's not hard to find. But in 2010, there wasn't a template for me that I could find. And lo and behold, the guy that was my boss at the time, I had no clue his faith. We hadn't had those conversations, but he pulled me in a few weeks after me having this realization. It could have only been the Holy Spirit telling him to do this because I had no business being asked to do what he was about to ask me to do. But he was asking me to take on a management role for a project that that we were in. And again, I did not have the skill set or the experience level for this, but he saw something in me and I started expressing my concerns to him about it. And he starts unpacking his faith. He said, Jeremy, God told me that you're supposed to do this. And he told me that I'm supposed to teach you how to do life, how to do ministry and business at the same time. He said, I've been doing it for years and no one knows it, but I want to pour that into you. Oh, I love this. I mean, God, just it was a total setup. I mean, I had no clue. Yeah. And so at that point, I'm just like, I'm in this guy's office, you know, who I, I respected immensely. And I'm just... I'm literally start weeping because I don't know. I just can't control the emotion at the goodness of God, man. I'm a nobody from a small town in East Texas that has no business being anywhere near where I'm at right now in my life at that point. But God was just taking all of my paradigms and flipping them on their head for all the best reasons. Let's pause for a second here. So two weeks prior is when you had this experience with the prophetic presbytery. Yes. The next morning after that, what was starting to get impressed upon you? What were the thoughts that were popping in your heart and your mind about this paradigm shift after that experience? Well, that's twofold. One, as I think anyone who's ever gone through any kind of any kind of moments in their life that required faith, I was met with extreme insecurity and condemnation. That was next day for me, truly. It was not a good day, if I'm being real honest. It was me confronting all of the reasons why that was just a complete load of crap and that's never going to happen in my life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so what I started to realize, this thing, the church, ministry in the church that had been a passion of my life, the enemy started in that day to use it against me to tell me that is all you're ever going to do with your life. Is ministry. Is ministry. Now, I would never say that to belittle anyone who does ministry with their life because I deeply value that. And again, I spent half my life thinking that's what I was wanting to do and going to do with my life. That was your context. Exactly it was. Exactly it was. Then the moment something comes along from the Lord, by the way, to open up my mind to have a bigger imagination for my life, which is what God's really good at. Is, is giving us prophetic imagination for who we are and, and how we think about us to see further. The moment that happens, the enemy comes in to say, no, 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 this is all you're ever going to be. Because the next day, I still didn't see a path forward. It's like, this was just my job. No one even knew I existed there, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So how am I going to be active in business? What's that even mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't go to business school. I, I hadn't even graduated college at that point. I started early in my adulthood and I quit because I didn't care about it. And, you know, I just had no direction. And, you know, when you think you're going ministry, it's like, okay, well, I'm either going to be trained in a church or I'm going to Bible school, one or the other. And those were kind of my options. And that's what I was looking forward to. So that next day, that's what I got. That's what I became encountered with. 
Now, the days following that, I went to spiritual leaders in my life, some, some father figure, my own father, and then a couple of other mentors in my life. And I told them what was going on. They helped me lift myself out of that and, and realize, hey, no, that's a lie. That's an absolute lie. This is what God's doing in you. He said it. Let's pray about it. And then God started unpacking for me all of the potential. But yeah, that first day, man, it was rough, if I'm being real honest. No, I appreciate the vulnerability. Because yeah. I know this is speaking to someone who's listening to this right now. I hope so, man. As you prayed through this, Jeremy, with your father and some other spiritual mentors, leaders in your life, what started to happen in your mindset and your heart? Confidence in what God had said, first and foremost, that even though I still couldn't see a way forward, I just knew that that was the only way I know to explain it, Brian, is that what had been said to me in that room that night, even in that moment, even the next day when I was in the middle of the lie, even then, and then the days following that, it felt so true to me. It rang so deeply true that I wasn't going to be convinced otherwise. Now, I could have been shamed to live otherwise. That was what was trying to happen that next day is condemnation, shame, insecurity, fear, all of the things that we kind of battle to keep us from saying yes to what he wants to put on our life and do with us. That was trying to happen in a, in a really intense way that day. But following that for me, it was just this deep sense of truth that was overwhelming me every day. I, I didn't know the plan forward. I couldn't see the outcome or even, even a piece of it. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord had spoken to me very directly and that what he said was true. And if he said it, I, I just had all the confidence in the world it was going to happen because he said it was going to happen. Then God incredibly confirms it two weeks later yeah. with your manager giving you this additional responsibility that you never dreamed you'd have. Yeah, and he was the owner of the company, too. He wasn't even my direct report. He was two levels above my direct report. And this isn't a large company. This was a small company in the oil and gas industry. But for me, that might as well have been the CEO of a Fortune 500 company pulling me in his office. <laughs> That's what he looked like to me. Now, he's a close friend and a personal mentor of mine and has been for a number of years now. But at that point in time, he was like a unicorn. I was never going to have a conversation with the guy. He pulls me into his office and he said, here's what I'm seeing and this is why I'm saying this to you. And that was my first experience with anyone. And, you know, my dad was a home builder. He owned his own business. But my dad never really talked about business that way. He just kind of did both things with incredible diligence, with incredible ethic and faithfulness. And so that, to me, that's what a kingdom man looked like. Those are all good things and they are all part of it. But this guy, when he sat me down and talked to me, he led his business from a perspective of, I have heard the Lord and I'm about to do something crazy here that I shouldn't be doing, but I know God told me to. And that's the way this man had chosen to lead his business. And immediately, in a matter of weeks, what I had no template for, no, uh, no concept for, God showed me a way. The way it already been made, man, the goat was already coming up the mountain on the other side, and I didn't even know it. And uh, the sacrifice, whatever, you know, like the scripture talks about, it was already on its way. And so God was doing things for me behind the scenes, setting me up that I had no clue about. But that man opened up my, he opened up my mindset. And he gave me an opportunity. And man, I took advantage of it. I poured my life into that thing. I went home every night after that, convinced I was going to get fired the next day because I was overwhelmed <laughs> and insecure. And 
in over my head and, you know, all of those things. But God just put such a grace on me to learn in that season and to grow, you know, and he placed people in my life, like my father-in-law who had been in the oil and gas industry for 40 years. So I had a trusted person I could call in a moment and ask questions. And he totally understood my business. I can't tell you how many times I stood outside my office asking him what to do in a situation and letting him manage my project for me <laughs> because because I was just learning on the fly. I just had this tiger by the tail and no clue what I was doing with it. But God put favor on that thing. That project was super successful. I love that. You said you were overwhelmed, insecure, and over your head and right where you were supposed to be. Right in the middle of all of it. Absolutely. And, you know, I felt both of those tensions at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that for people listening. Some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of, some of you may not know that yet. But I have found most often in my life, because this has happened time and time again since then with me, it's just, it keeps going as I grow and I progress and new things come my way. The tension of living in the peace and the will and the plan of God, which is such an incredible confidence-building feeling, on the other side of the spectrum, there is this unknown thing that is constantly peeking at the fears you still have left, the insecurities you still have. And we call it the enemy, and that can be accurate. But I think a lot of time, God pulls us together in those tensions so we can overcome those things as we say yes to what he's saying to us. 100%. I agree. So I was living right in the middle of that tension, right in the middle of the will of God, for sure. No doubt about it. But sometimes it didn't feel like it. So as you were able to experience a great success with this project, what happened next? I got a call from actually my father-in-law, who was still in the industry. He owned a company similar to the one I was working for at the time. They had this massive project going on in Colorado. At that point, because we're talking several months and months had passed at this point of me running this project and seeing things grow and talking to my father and all him seeing me grow. And I had begun to express desire to him to build. All of a sudden, this thing became my career. Then it through that whole time period, this project management deal for me lasted about a year and a half. Okay, During that time period, it went from my job to my career. That was the first transition in my mindset. The second transition that ha began to happen was it started moving from a career to I would really love to my own my own business in this vein. I started having confidence to think I can actually do this. I would love to own my own business. And after all, this is what God's been saying to me anyway. Through many conversations, I had expressed that to my father-in-law. Well, he calls me up one day, late 2011. He said, man, I've, I've been on this project in Colorado for a year now. Some of it's going really well. Some of it's not. Would you consider flying out here and seeing if it's something you and Ashley, my wife, if it's something you would want to be a part of, you'd have to leave Texas and come out here. But it would be a great litmus test to see how we work together. We prayed about it and we prayed and we're like, OK, we're going to we're going to fly out there and see what God says. And we get out there and have immediate peace. And there's a whole story of how we got to Colorado, you know, as far as like hearing from the Lord on that. We probably don't have time for today, but it's a story within a story kind of thing. The gist of it is we got peace from the Lord. We had several confirming words that the season to move was coming. It was time. So we took the leap. We sold our house in Texas. We said yes to this project. We had no clue how long. It's the oil and gas business, man. Those things can go six days or they can go six years. It's hard to know. And so it was a risk for us. But it, again, we get there 
we <laughs> and I don't want to paint this picture like we were sent to some like third world missionary field. Dude, the appointment we had was in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It's like Ski Town, USA. Gorgeous community. Yeah, that's so third world. Yeah, so third world. <laughs> and and here's, here's how we are, though. Check this out. I get there, and I'm in this beautiful place. We love to ski. I grew up going on ski trips and stuff. The first three months we're there, all I do is complain because I'm not in Texas. I'm not at my church. This church that we've tried to attend here, they don't know what they're doing. You know, whatever, blah, blah. It wasn't what I was used to. I didn't want to make any friends. I just wanted to go back home. You wanted the wambulance. I did. Oh, I was playing my fiddle hard, bro. <laughs> like big time, like wine and cheese, the whole thing. <laughs> and my wife's just like, suck it up, buttercup. Who who are you? And what have you done with my husband? Finally, I go to sleep one night about three months in. The Lord gives me a dream about some things that he was going to do while we were there in my family. And I wake up with this word from the Lord that's, Give me two weeks. Give me two weeks. Wow. And over the course of those two weeks, God started showing me relationships and reasons why I was there. And as he did that, it unpacked this incredible purpose in my heart to be there. We had great success with the project to that point financially. We were more blessed financially in that season than we had been any previous time in our lives. So, I mean, all arrows were pointing up for the Box family. But the biggest thing that happened is... We were in Steamboat, if for no other reason, for my wife to connect with relationships that were going to advance her spiritually light years from where she was. Mm. Not that I didn't need it. I did. But her faith grew in incredible leaps and bounds in the season that we were there, which was just about two years we were there. Another thing, you know, God's setting us up for this other moment, this other phase of our lives. Me and my father-in-law confirmed, yeah, we can work together. We can be successful together. But the biggest deal, man, was God connected us with people we're still friends with today. Oh, that's so great. You know, the word setup really resonates with me and how God uses all these different things in our lives to set us up for the next thing all the time. All the time. And we don't see it usually, even when we're in it. Usually we see it after the fact and how he did it. Hindsight being twenty twenty and all of that. Mm-hmm. So we fight it, we squirm through it, we question it, we struggle with our faith and all those things. And, you know, I just quit fighting those moments in my life, though, Brian, because I still have them. I still have them with every new thing that's presented to me, every new every new idea from the Lord, every new direction, every new path. I feel the same way I did back in 2010. I fight the same stuff, man. I fight it differently. I know his voice better. I trust him more, but it still comes. That lets me know is that I'm still alive. There's still room for real repentance in my life, like real changing of my mind, that I'm growing and that God's still speaking to me and he's not done with me yet. So he's stretching me on this journey. Let's pause on that thought for a second. I love that. Instead of being self-deprecating, self-hating and thinking you're less than, why not think the opposite? that God is not finished, God is breathing new life into you, and this is what happens when new life happens. How cool is that? Oh, it's the best thing in the world, but it's so much easier to wallow in the other. That's why we do it. It's easier to believe we have things to be ashamed of. This is goes back to the beginning of Scripture. This is original stuff here, right? You know, you got Adam and Eve naked in the garden, and then they cover themselves. 
we always think that, oh, there's sin. God didn't want to be around sin. That's the biggest lie we've ever told ourselves about the scripture. All God's ever done has been around sin. Literally, his next action was to come down to the garden in the cool of the day to be with them. And he didn't run from them when he saw them that way. He covered them better. He didn't cover them better for his eyes. He covered them better because he knew that the level of shame they were living with at the time would not allow their hearts to engage with him. So he wanted to cover that for them. That's what he does for us, man. How incredible. I feel like we should pause right now. Sure. And let's pray. I'd like to have you pray, Jeremy, for people that are experiencing that shame. Yeah. Lord, shame's a liar. Shame is a liar. And we know this. Even when we don't know it, we know it. So I pray for every heart, every mind right now that may be listening or have friends and loved ones that need to hear this, God, that that you would open our ears and our eyes, that our understanding of who you are may be enlightened. God, in that your love and your compassion and your mercy will begin to triumph in our hearts over any shame we could experience. Shame of the past, shame of decisions, shame of the thoughts in our head that no one knows about, but yourself. God has made a way for you to overcome that. And it's called love. And he loves you more than you will ever be ashamed of anything you've done, said, or thought. Oh God, we ask that we release that love, that compassion that you have for us. Just like in the Garden of Eden, all the way back then, to the cross of Jesus to now. Lord, we thank you for that love. And we release that on the people listening right now. And we break shame the shame that binds us up to live in fear and confusion. We break it now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying, Jeremy. Yes, sir. As we move towards finishing up here, you're still in oil and gas, correct? Yeah. I own a business in oil and gas doing what my first mentor that said yes to me the very first time. I, a matter of fact, some of, he's kind of retired now, and some of the clients that he used to have are clients of mine. I'm doing the very thing he did. What a blessing. Amazing blessing. And then you started a branding company. Yes, yes. In 2017, late 2017, I started a company called Brandstrom, Branding and Marketing Agency. Branding is definitely our specialty, but we help a lot of companies with our marketing strategies and sales funnels and websites and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. But what we really love to do because what we what we believe about branding, and this is, I love talking about this, not so I can talk about my business and convince people why they need to work with us. That's great. That just happens. But we believe that we create culture and we do not copy it. That's who we're called to as kingdom people and to bring the culture of the kingdom that is always fresh. It always has a better word. It's always innovative and it creates new things every day. We believe that a brand is the foundational culture of a company or an organization. That's what your brand really is. It's kind of like your character. It's what people say about you when you're not around. And it's what they experience from you. What we really love to do, we call ourselves a branding company. It's what we are. But what we really are is an identity company. We help people uncover their truest, most genuine identity and try to help them in the best way possible communicate that, not just to the people they would be selling to, but to the people they'd be asking to work with them, to their employees, to their contractors, anyone. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite thing to do is to sit in a room and listen to people's hearts and their stories 
and help engage them with some encouragement to say yes to that thing God put in them, even if they don't know God put it in them. I know he did. Yeah, to pursue their passion. Absolutely. One of my favorite sayings is we're stuck inside our own bottle and we can't read the writing on our label. Yeah. And you help people do that in a very wonderful way. I've been through the process. I can speak to it. You guys come alongside. You're not somebody who stands and says, this is what you have to do. You actually uncover it with the person you're working with. And it's quite a profound process. You know, one of the things, Brian, that I love, the scripture, I I wanted to say this today, and I think this is a good time, as good a time as any. It's a scripture that's been pivotal in my heart for a number of years now, and and it goes along what we do. Brandstrom, it's it's kind of a mantra of ours, but it's it's Proverbs 16.9. That passage says that a man makes his plans in his heart, but the Lord guides his steps and makes his path straight. And what I've uncovered for me over the years is when I would hear that scripture growing up in Bible Belt, super deep evangelical world, or or even just in culture, I think a lot of ways we can interpret that and people interpret that scripture is man makes his plans and God laughs, right? Yeah. We've heard that saying in culture, and I think people don't even know that it was, they were kind of misquote, in my opinion, misquoting the scripture a little bit. But what God showed me about that, he's like, Jeremy, that's not, I don't laugh at your plans. Whoever's listening, you're my son or you're my daughter. God's not laughing at your plans. What God is seeking someone to partner with him for the plans he's already put in your heart. Yeah. So what God does is man makes the plans in our heart. And then God, through the Holy Spirit, comes alongside us and he partners with us to help us say yes to that. And in partnership with the Holy Spirit, this is the most beautiful part is he directs our path and makes it straight, the Bible says. And I love all of my mathletes out there know that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. (laughs) And so God's promise to us is, if you partner with me, if you choose to say yes to the plans I've already placed in you, and you partner with the Holy Spirit to do that, I will expedite the process and get you to where you're going and further than you thought you would go. And man... That's to me, that that gets me going. The thought that God would want to do that with me and for me and anyone else. And I know if he'll do it for me, he'll do it for anyone else I'll ever encounter. This is why shame needs to be broken off and crushed because he does want to partner with us. If we're living in shame, it is so hard for us to actually believe that. And I'm going to call it more a truth, but a reality. That is the reality is that that is what he wants to do with us. So on that note, let's finish up by please share how people can get in touch with you and find out more about what you're doing. Brandstrom is the way I'd love for your listeners to connect. I mean, my oil and gas stuff's great, but most people aren't going to care about that. (laughs) Unless you're in the oil and gas industry, connect with me at LegacyOnshore.com. That's great. But Brandstrom.com, the word brand, B-R-A-N-D, and strum like a guitar. You can connect with me there. You can also find Brandstrom on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Heck, follow me on Facebook. That's great. I love new friends. Uh, Let's get to know each other. I'm open to people reaching out to me that way. That's fine. Follow me on Instagram. My life's not that exciting as far as what I put out on social media, so don't expect too much from me there. (laughs) That's probably the best way to connect with me, and I would love to hear from any listeners and things like that of what God said to you during this conversation. And it would be an encouragement to me, frankly. That'd be great. Jeremy, thanks for being on the program. Wonderful conversation. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. Thank you, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.